Welcome to All The Things, a podcast for moms seeking an inspired life. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Chin. I am a writer and a coach, and my most passionate truth is that the world needs the real you. That's why I created this podcast, to discover all the things that make us who we are, because the better we understand ourselves, the more good we can do in the world. So let's do that together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy to welcome my teacher, my friend, um, fellow, I don't know, journeyer in life, um, Anna Sui. And Anna, (laughs) thanks for being here, Anna. Thanks for having me on Valentine's Day of (laughs) the Lunar New Year. How cool is that? It's pretty cool. All the red today. Yes. Um, Anna is a genius coach and writer, a speaker and serial international entrepreneur. She is the founder of the Intuitive Business School and her best-selling book, Shadow Magic, Turn Your Fear into Fuel and, and Create a Prosperous Coaching Business, shows readers how to overcome their personal self-sabotage and build a thriving career in business. Yay. Amazing. Um, Before we get started, I wanted to first acknowledge that I'm speaking and podcasting from the traditional and unceded land of the Nipmuc and Massachusetts tribes. And I share a land acknowledgement before every podcast. I think it's important to recognize um, not only where we're going, but where we come from and where we are in the moment. Um, And to understand that it's not a straightforward conversation and that's okay. Mm, I love that. That inspires me to know more about my land that I just relocated to. So thank you for that, for honoring that. You're welcome. So Anna, um, to kind of give the uh, listener a little background, you and I have known each other since probably 2012 or 13, I want to say. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm thinking like, yeah, eight, nine years for sure. Yeah. Well, definitely before my oldest was born, right? And do you, we met shortly after the bombing, the marathon bombing oh in Boston. Oh my gosh, you're right. Wow, the Boston marathon bombing. Oh my gosh, I remember those times. I feel like I'm becoming more and more of this like living history book, right? All of these like big things have happened <laughs> in our super long lifetime. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it hasn't and, been that long. I'm kidding. We're right. still really young folks. <laughs> No, but that makes me think of like, you know, how, uh, you know, like in, in our church, culturally in Chinese culture, like the reverence for the elderly and the history mm-hmm. and the knowledge that lies in them and how there's so much respect for that. And mm-hmm. we're just slowly becoming those people. I know that's both like terrifying and I guess, uh, um, humbling. I actually had this thought, Lisa, I'm glad you brought it up because I don't have any more alive grandparents. They're all in the spirit world, you know, having a party and whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's my parents. My parents are the ones like holding the key to like, if I have any questions about a recipe or what does this word mean? Or, you know, like tell me about, you know, me or my little sister when we're younger or tell me about our grandparents. Like my parents are kind of the gatekeepers now. And it's so funny because I don't think they ever wanted that job but it's just like they're next in line. And then I'm next in line after them. Like, it's just like, wow, history is like disappearing, you know? It is. I've, I've thought about that. I thought of like record, like having conversations with my mom and recording them mm. and just kind of having them on hand. Cause I, I started this Google doc with like random stories. My mom would tell me just so I can kind of like remember yeah, what they were and smart. like d- just different things like the, you know, what age she did this or whatever happened. And yeah. Oh my gosh. So I did um, uh, read from someone whose parents uh, recently passed. And I think this was his dad. And he's like, one of my biggest regrets is not having um, my dad uh, or my mom basically on like a voice recorder or something, say how much they love you and how much they appreciate you. And yeah. And and no, as you're saying, like, as I'm saying this, I'm like, I need to get that in recording, but it just like, it feels harder to do. And sometimes it's impossible, right? So like, if you guys can do it, like get your parents, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, um, you know, get their voice 
some something that you can listen to. So I think it's so smart that you're putting it down in video. I need to do that. I don't really have any videos of my parents other than our WeChats and you know of them like asking me to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's you know something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually watched this um, meme, not meme, like a video recently on I don't know Instagram or something, and it was this man unwrapping a gift and it was a teddy bear and in it was his mom's voice who had recently passed and i don't oh remember if it was her saying i love you or um something similar to that effect but he was it was very touching wow <sighs> yeah let's all get the recordings while we can yes yes the power it's really powerful um so as you know this season we are talking about unlearning mm. and uh, when i introduced you i kind of i said you're one of my teachers and we I mean, I think like officially, yes, you were, you were um, one of my teachers, but then I think also, I just, I look up to you as someone who is really setting a great example of mm. running a business that is in alignment with who they are, um, doing it like with integrity and mm. just really, um, and it's nice to see, I think I've told you this before. It's nice to see someone who looks like me doing work that I admire, um, I appreciate that. And I also want to tell everyone that Lisa is all that also that for me. And when I first met you, I mean, you were teaching a class like I was in your workshop, right? I don't remember what you were teaching, but I was like, wow, this woman knows what she's doing. This is so cool. <laughs> Thank you. I forgot, I forgot. I also taught during those things. There were, there were networking groups, but then I, I did lead some sort of discussion as well. So yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. I think we're all uh, teachers and students for each other, you know? So true. So true. I love that. That should be like plastered everywhere. People, people, I guess I think that, um, you know, we, I talk about identity a lot, right. But the people think like there's this like finite time, like, oh, I can't be a teacher and a student at the same time. It's like, I have to hold, you know, it's your brain has to be able to hold these two identities at the same time and be like, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, but in reality, we are, and and if you can kind of embrace it, then that's where it becomes really powerful because it's the interplay of the two, not just the two separately, but the interplay of the two. Where like mm -hmm. right now, this conversation is like, are we teacher to teacher? Are we student to student? Like, what is this, right? And it's mm -hmm. kind of like a mishmash of of all of that. Yeah, um, I've discovered one of the secrets to learning um, because I was reading some research, I think by Robert Green, who wrote you know all the books on mastery and all that stuff. And he said that one of the reasons why um, uh, children, it's easier for them to learn languages, let's say, obviously the brain is developing, but they have no ego when it comes to learning. So they're not like, am I saying this right? Is someone going to make fun of me if I say this wrong, right? Whereas like as adults, we have so much more of our identity attached to the thing that we're learning and we're so scared to make mistakes or seem stupid. And that really is the biggest thing that halts our learning. And I was like, oh my gosh, how many times have I had my ego get in my way when I could have been really taking in the information? So like, I think as adults, it's good for us to keep that in mind is our ego, our identity holds us to what we already know and who we already are, all the stuff in the past, right? And if we want to really break free and learn some, break free and learn something new, we kind of have to move into those uncomfortable places. So, you know, a lot of times I actually hire my clients. A lot of them are like healers and, you know, like amazing people. And so like, I just hired one of my clients to do healing work for me on a monthly basis. And she is like the master at that, right? Even though I taught her some stuff around coaching and business stuff and intuition, but like there used to be a part of me maybe back in the day where it's like, oh no, I can't work with my students, right? Or, you know, like I can't, you know, there's like a boundary or something. No, it's all made up. It's all made up, everyone. Let go of your ego, which I think might be something that we talk about today, because um, I know you have some juicy questions planned. But when we do that, we're better learners. We're, we're actually more powerful people. I hadn't thought of it in that way, but like, absolutely. So would you say that unlearning very much just requires you to release your ego? Is there, how would you describe unlearning then? That's a great question. I think our ego definitely keeps us from really learning because with our ego, we just learn at the level of our identity, right? So 
Um, I remember my mom used to always, I don't, I used to hear her say this all the time. She'd be like, I'm so bad at learning. I have, you know, such a bad memory. And that's something I internalize, like, oh, my memory is so bad. And I would actually kind of make myself forget stuff, <laughs> even though I remembered it, right? It's whatever we, that's part of my ego structure. That's part of my identity. Cause I just like kind of absorbed it through her. And in that sense, if we can allow ourselves to kind of be less, um, uh, thoughtful, if you will. So let's stuck in our thinking when it comes to learning and find like different modalities to incorporate learning, like through movement, through music, uh, through just like talking to people, let's say in a new language, even though it makes us highly uncomfortable and embarrassed, right. And just like laughing about it. If we can find ways that kind of, um, bypass our formed identity, our ego, we have so much more fun and it's so much more successful. So I do think unlearning kind of like in the meta aspect of it, I feel like the most important work I do is unlearn who I think I am, the identity that I've created for myself to find who I really am. And this is like the same work that I do with people in my life who hire me. It's like, no, you think you're this, you think it takes this long, you think your business is thriving because of this. Actually, if we found your true values, right, if we incorporate more things that you're truly excited and motivated by, and it's probably not money, then your business will actually thrive, then you will actually thrive, right? So yeah, I think unlearning has a lot to do with letting go of these strict identities that keep you stuck in this kind of like ego matrix, if you will, of suffering. <laughs> right. I mean, I know that you wrote a whole book about shadow work and it very much talks about the ego, but how would you say that, the, like, can you give some, like an example of um, a time that you've, you had an experience of like, okay, this is something that I really need to learn. Maybe is there something like you're going through currently or recently that you can share? Oh, yes. I am so happy to share. So I'm going to share in a way that's very neutral where I don't take sides because that's really my path. And I think that's a lot of our paths, especially your audience, because I feel like they're very like intuitive, sensitive souls that might get caught up in stuff. Right. So with this whole everything has been politicized right? With like wearing masks and you and I live in very different places and it's very politicized, you know, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Like here in Texas, it's kind of like some places where you wear a mask, you feel uncomfortable that you're the one wearing a mask, right? And vice versa. So I'm not saying like anyone is wrong or right. I'm just saying that there's like a polarization, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm the person who is responsible and I am wearing a mask or I'm the person who I don't believe in this stuff or, you know, like I feel like I'm perfectly healthy and I have every right to not wear a mask. So when we find ourselves at those extremes, that's shadow energy. We might think that it's like our logic, right? Or whatever that's fueling these decisions, but anything that's kind of extreme and especially anything that makes someone else wrong or that judges someone else. I know that's kind of commonplace nowadays, and I find myself doing it way more than I want to, right? Even like myself and like people in my life and strangers at the grocery store, I find myself judging them. And I'm like, wait a second, that's shadow. That's a collective shadow, right? That's like the voice of people on the news or people that you follow, right? And, and so when we feel these extremes, it's shadow energy, it's ego. And when I say ego, it's not, I don't believe that the ego is bad. I'm not one of those people that like, you must kill your ego. I think your ego is an important part of who you are and is a, is something that tethers you to this world. And that makes you relatable to other people. Right. However, I do think that, um, uh, when we find ourselves in these moments where we're kind of taking extremes and then what happens, like, I want to find facts to back up my view, Right. And then they become like even more extreme and it can be like with topics that are even really, it should be clear. Like this is right. This is wrong. Right. Like this is right. Like social justice is right. This other thing, whatever it is, like injustice is wrong, but, but both camps will always have, you know, facts and whatever to back up their stance. So getting involved in kind of like this kind of like black or white thing in terms of like, it's either one end of the spectrum or the other. We find ourselves in that a lot. I do. I find myself getting pulled into that. 
And that is all ego. That is all shadow. And I want to give an example where it's more, um, you know, kind of day to day. It's like um, our own struggles with, oh, I need a, I need to rest. Oh no, I can't rest. Right. Just like things like that. It's like, I really need to rest. No, I don't have time to rest. It's like inter that internal battle of black and white, like those powers that pull us almost like pull us apart that's shadow that's like extremes where we thrive is in the balance kind of like buddha called it like the middle path the middle ground and it's where you can like you said hold these two extremes of am i a student am i a teacher wait i'm both if you can hold both of that then you kind of have this balance and you have this way of seeing and moving about in the world and learning that is more balanced and so that's where i think uh, people will find um, the most peace and also the most success, right? Because otherwise we're constantly being pulled in these different directions. How does someone actually do that, right? Because I find myself also, like I'm very much saying I'm like a gray person, like, you know, right in between yeah. the black and white somewhere in the ether. But like, how does someone actually um, pull themselves out of like a spiral where they feel like, they can almost see themselves dropping into this very like extreme, oh, they're wrong and I'm right. How, how can I, like, how would I be able to bring myself out of that? Yeah, that's a really important question because, because we're so polarized uh, globally, but definitely in this country, it's so easy to get pulled back. I've done so much work and I get pulled back into the space. I get triggered back into the space like instantly and so the best thing for us to remember is that we actually are the consciousness that is in control. And the more energy, the more consciousness, the more uh, breath, the more attention we give to one thing, it actually grows. And so this might be not really like a straightforward answer, but this is kind of like the back end of how I see it, which is like, if I give something my attention, then it's going to grow. And this is actually something that um, can be used to manipulate people is like you just put fear on the news, right? And then it grows because it grows in our consciousness, we focus on it. And so I think it's always so powerful to come back. And a really great way is just to take a breath into the heart, to find your compassion for these people that you are judging. Because the truth is you're judging them because you're judging yourself. You have that judgment energy within you, right? Like I judge the people because I'm secretly judging myself all the time. And when I can give them compassion and it's like, oh, maybe they're doing a thing that I don't agree with. But if you can choose to see them as people, right? Doing the best that they can, then you can actually allow yourself that bit of grace and forgiveness as well. And you know what? I, I found it, um, even up until a few years ago, I found it really hard to be friends with people who kind of like, not just disagreed with me, but had a totally different lifestyle than me. And I think, you know, as you like grow up, your friends, your friends kind of like do their own thing and people ha who have like completely different lifestyles, they just kind of go away. But I found that more recently, as I've matured and grown into um, someone who can, like you said, hold those extremes. I am able to be with people that even just like two years ago, I wouldn't be able to sit in the same room with because I would judge them as like, they have no idea what they're talking about or they're like super unhealthy or they're really unconscious. And like, now I can actually be with them because of, you know, I've overcome my own ignorance, right? Around my own judgment around it. I can be with them and have a conversation and be like, whoa, you and I have completely different views, but I can still admire you as a person. I can still reflect your ideas and your thoughts. And it sounds so silly, but I feel like it's something that we're losing more and more of. And I was like, so proud of myself. I was like, wow, this is like, this is the work, you know, being able to not be triggered by people who really represent everything opposite of you and being able to come together. You know, this is what all the self-help books talk about and it's actually happening. Amazing. Like it's possible. <laughs> When we talk about kind of these extremes, one of the things I really love that you do, like, and, and not even that you do, but you just kind of embody is this, like, I see you very much as like a business person, but then also really steeped into the spiritual side of things and like, mm. and like having both of those lenses. And I think we, we, we more often than not hold extremes like that it, within ourselves and we may not ne necessarily recognize them, but I think that that's something. Yeah. And they're that segmented. 
they're usually really segmented. People who tell me stuff like, oh, well, secretly I'm this. And I'm like, what? How do it? And because it's so segmented because we feel like it's going to be uh, judged. Right. And you mentioned, um, you know, the, the genius work that I do. It's so crazy because like people's genius, it's almost always segmented from who they really are. So it's like maybe when they finish all their work and they do other things, then they can have time to like do the thing that fuels them or the thing that they actually enjoy. And it's become so like compartmentalized that it actually like doesn't feel part of them anymore. And sometimes we forget about it. And so like we do have this tendency to compartmentalize our lives, but it keeps these aspects of our lives from really experiencing all of who we are. And I think that's what we're really moving towards is like becoming completely whole in every area. And when you speak of genius work, can you dive a bit into what that is? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to go on a little rant (laughs) about genius, which I think it's become like um, kind of elitist, you know? And so uh, it's just, I mean, you know, Mensa, that organization, there's just interesting roots about how that was founded. And I'm not like criticizing anything. I just think that there's like um, um, this over um, uh, focus on genius as intellect. So unless you score a certain IQ score, um, unless you're super smart, you're not considered a genius. Why is it that genius is only based on IQ? Why not EQ? Why not intuition? Why not all of these other aspects of us that are not just IQ? IQ is probably the smallest part of us. And if you look at actual geniuses, and I'd love to use Einstein as an example, because I've just been kind of like uh, being in his energy. Einstein's skill, like a lot of people think he was a genius in physics, but really his skill was in physics. And he was like a pretty okay physicist. Like he wasn't like amazing. He wasn't like top of his class, but he was pretty good, right? He like met the standard. But what his genius was, his his genius was his ability to wield his imagination, to kind of let it run wild, right? And when he used that to fuel his skill, which is physics, boom, that's when all the magic happens, right? And so many people, we have this genius within us as like a synthesis of all of these kind of crazy, random, but like really beautiful things. Until we really uh, lean into that, we're not fully powering our gifts, our skills, our minds, our intellect, you know? And genius is usually the thing that um, most people discount about themselves the most. Um, I see genius as like, a mood, an ecosystem, like a, um, almost like a personality. Uh, and once you get in that personality, it's almost like this vortex. It's like, a, like truly like a zone that you can bring into any area of your life. And it just like creates this like genius flow. It creates more mm-hmm. ease because your perspective is different. You know, you're not just like trying to figure it out mentally, but you're actually using all of your natural gifts, which are bigger than your intellect to look at this problem and play with this problem. And then you find this really unique solution that's perfect for you. I think it's fantastic. The, and I love that idea of like, of how this word has been used in a certain way, but really you can redefine it. I don't know the the actual definition of genius. Um, Why, and you said that genius tends to be compartmentalized. I mean, the, a lot of things tend to be, but why, why genius? Like, why does that, like, why, why would people compartmentalize that instead of having it spread across all the different areas of their life? Mm, let me give you an example, which I think is a great example. Um, and I think, you know, this person. Um, so um, I did a genius session with someone and these sessions is kind of like um, to help us connect to our genius. Right. And I'll tell you like how they go. Right. It basically, it's like, I ask, um, um, you know, like, tell me, um, you know, if you had all the time and money in the world, what would you be doing? And I just kind of keep on asking the question until we get to like a real answer. (laughs) Sometimes it's like, yes, I'd be opening a charity for kids. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But that's probably not what you would be doing for fun in your free time. And so, um, you know, all in all, we found that this person uh, who whose actual job, uh, he runs a copywriting business. But his genius is actually as a discoverer. So we give them names that um, just really help them like identify, right? So like, I know you are an amazing dynamic person. Oh, you're Lisa. Okay, I have a name and I can identify you, right? This energy that is you. And so we, uh, I tend to have people give their geniuses a name. And um, the reason why 
this person was totally like, oh, whoa, I totally forgot about this part of me was because when he was younger, being a discoverer, like little, little kid, sometimes his mom would leave the door unlocked and he would walk out and he would get into trouble and he would get lost. And his mom would be like, where are you? And probably got, you know, beat up, you know, by his mom, <laughs> just a little spanking. Right. And then, you know, as he got older, um, he was criticized also for kind of like um, having ADD or, you know, trying to like learn too many things at once or, you know, and so it becomes a part of us that we kind of get in trouble for or that we feel maybe some shame around. And the funny thing is when he was able to embrace it and like actually feed it, like allow it, to allow himself to go into the deepest, darkest mysteries of the world. And it just really fed his soul. He's like, wow, I felt like, I feel like myself again. And this is something I do just for me, not for my wife, not for my kids, right? Not for my business or my clients. I do this just for me, but I never would have done it before because I would have thought that it was kind of like, uh, like a waste of time or uh, too indulgent, right? And then also like people were criticizing him. Oh, this is just another ADD thing that you're doing. So that's really common um, when we're just in our state of genius is that we tend to shame it. We tend to neglect it. People whose geniuses are, uh, let's say like nurturers, we tend to just be, oh, well, anyone can do that. It's not a big deal. Actually, it's a really, really big deal. Most people are not nurturers. So if your genius is somehow you're able to like take in all of the energy around you and everyone and all their unique individual needs, and you can help them support them and help them meet those needs, that's pretty powerful. But most nurturers discount that. They're like, well, you know, it's not like um, I'm a a physicist or whatever, so it's not a big deal. We discount our genius so much because it's the easiest thing for us but really it's the thing that the world needs the most from us. Oh, um, what is your genius? That's a great question. I think that's like a, one of the secrets is like, I feel like I kind of know, but I haven't had a genius session done on myself because I right. haven't <laughs> been able to do it on myself. So <laughs> one day maybe I will really know. Um, but I think what it is, is, um, and this is kind of like a, a question that you and your, your listeners can also take with you to begin to find your genius, right? Is like, just remember a thing or a place or something that you just loved doing, like really loved. And don't try to quantify it, right? Like, oh, well, was I in flow state? Was I not in flow state? Like, I see a lot of these kind of like genius uh, tests and stuff out there. Just think of a moment or something where you were just like, so your energy was just open. You were just so happy right? And then start from there. And so when I think of it, it's like me, I just turned 30. I bought myself a trip to Iceland. And I was just in this really specific part overlooking a port. And I think I was in Husavik. I think that's where it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And nothing amazing was like, nothing really extraordinary was going, except I could just feel that my energy was taking it all in. And so I think that is part of my genius is like when I'm in a place where I can just take it all in and then make some meaning from that, or just like synthesize it, that's what my energy naturally does. Mm. And that's what, if I bring that into a situation that I'm trying to figure out or whatever, it puts me in a different place. I'm just like, oh, instead of like, let me write a checklist or to do something or try and figure it out. I'm just like, oh, let me just take in all of the things from all of the dimensions, from, you know, all of the possibilities, and then I'll just like process it and it'll come out at the perfect, perfect time, right? In the perfect order. And whatever you call that, that would be, I think, my genius. Do you remember a time when you were younger where that, some, that was something that wasn't valued? Mm, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, taking in means taking in uh, people's uh, suffering a lot. I think I did that a lot as a kid, right? As an empath, I'm sure you can, you just maybe take too much stuff in and then you're like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. and then you can really lean into it and be like, Oh, wow, they're, they're suffering because of this. And it's just a lot to process, you know? And so I think that caused me to feel uh, kind of depressed about life (laughs) because all I felt was like people's uh, suffering. Cause we do have, um, 
tendencies towards certain things. And I am definitely drawn to, probably why I wrote Shadow Magic, I definitely am drawn to the deeper, darker experiences. Um, I know someone, uh, we did a junior session, and she's really drawn to the trauma because her thing is she helps people release the trauma. But in every conversation with random strangers, somehow people just end up telling her about their trauma because she, her energy is naturally looking for it. And so it's good to notice what things are naturally kind of like a heat-seeking missile. Uh, so like the, the copywriter whose genius is a discoverer, his energy naturally is seeking out mysteries that he can solve, problems that he can solve, you know? And I think we all have that. Do you, do you think there's something with you that you naturally just kind of seek? That I naturally seek? Um, I, I mean, I love... I yeah. love problem solving. I love just understanding someone and taking all mm. the various parts of themselves and just feeling, like, oh, that's who they are. Kind of like what you're saying, like yeah. um, you give a name to that person. It's like, oh, this person's Anna. But uh-huh. actually, it's so much more than that. It's all these other things. Um, and to really understand like the things that make someone like to make you who you are. Like we talk, we're like, well we've talked a little bit about identity. We've talked a little bit about like kind of even what you, how you think. I just think that it's just so fascinating. Yes. I think you're kind of like a deconstructor and I see you working with like blueprints, (laughs) Mm. but there's something systematic and connected um, to how your energy works. So it'd be really interesting to uh, dive more into that because like when you get into it, maybe you're naturally seeking like the blueprint maybe you're naturally seeking like but what's the truth right or you know something so there's always something that naturally and it's so almost unconscious that we seek out and it could be at a networking event like who are the people that you seek out what's the energy that you're actually seeking out you know some people seek out adventure some people seek out new experiences some people seek uh truth and understanding some people seek connection so i think for you you're kind of seeking like the structure or like the 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 reason why like we're like the connection points but it feels structural to me Mm. i have to think about that a little bit more like why Mm -hmm. we are i I do i am fascinated um with why we do the things we do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then having that fit within all the various frameworks and whatnot uh-huh. maybe um we'll have a deeper conversation about it another time <laughs> yeah so you seek the why you seek the root you see the causation oh you seek like the source of all of the mess that you see now <laughs> yes I'm all about that like I don't want I don't want a bandage solution I want to figure out like the actual like get to the dandelion root but like the actual part of it not just the random things that are like hanging out yes. but, like the middle of it and then yeah. you know tear it up or do whatever you want to do with the analyzer, <laughs> but like knowing that that's what I'm always looking for. I don't, I think that it's important to not um, get distracted mm. by all the extra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. Actually, some of the most uh, powerful manifestors that I know, powerful meaning they actually manifest the stuff that they want. I mean, these are normal everyday people. They're not like special. Dudes. But the 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 crux of um, what I found for them is like they can just like get rid of the extraneous information that says like, this is hard. And they're like, they go straight to the core, which is this is what I want. It's possible, right? And yeah. so I think there's a huge, huge, immense value to that Um that genius, Lisa, that you can just like go straight for the core. Like you just mm-hmm. like seek the soul of it. That's really powerful. Um, I, yeah, I think this warrants a separate conversation, but do you see then like that is part of your innate genius. It's just who you are. And do you see how powerful it is combined with like, you know, maybe a role as a project manager or as a mother, or, you know, like you just like, all right, let's get to the root of this. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You solve everything else. Yeah. I love it. I think yeah. it, that's, are you writing your next book on that, on this, the genius work? Yeah. As well as the book is writing me. <laughs> me yeah. But I discovered something, which is, this is kind of esoteric, but there was this point where this book was just kind of like coming in little pieces. And, but I was like, I don't know, I can't, you know, have a little trauma with the last book, right? Like, I just I don't know. And so when I finally decided, okay, I will write you book. It was like in that instant, a contract, there was like an energetic mm. contract that was created. And so I'm like, okay, well then I need to just be um, 
my role is not to use my brain and write what's in my brain. My role is to just use all of the, the resources that I've developed as a 36 year old being <laughs> and use it to discern what wants to come through in this book. And so that process is taking a little longer <laughs> than I thought it would be because, you know, I'm in all these like coaching things where it's like, okay, write your book in like three months or whatever. Like that's not this type of book. Right. But as it's coming through, I'm being changed. The content's changing. It's just like, I don't know if it will ever end, but what I've learned is it's not about actually finishing the book. It's about getting, working with the material in the world as I'm writing it. So that's mm -hmm. the important thing. And that's the thing that I'm trying to do every day. <laughs> I love it. I just want to note that when you said that a contract was formed, literally the windows like creaked over here. So there was some powerful business going on. Whoa, I bet. Yeah. And then I finally, so I think you're, you and your listeners would appreciate this. I finally was like, okay, if you guys want me to write this book, because it's going to take a lot of time, you need to send me X amount of clients. Right. And I'm not usually one of those people that does that because it never works for me. But in this case, it like really happened. And, and it happened because I leaned into it and I really was like, okay, I'm just going to act as if I already have these clients. And then it, I mean, it happened magically in one day. Like it was kind of crazy. Yeah. And now the right book. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will definitely read that book just like I read your last book. So <laughs> I look forward to it. I think that the idea of everyone having a, having their own personal genius is something I can very much identify with because I, especially raising kids, like, and you talked about how we have kids don't have this ego um, when they when they're little little, um, but just being able to see that transition as I can kind of see not major trauma but like little traumas and little things um, yeah. not getting what I want or you know different things like that kind of layering onto my kids. It's like oh yeah, I can kind of see the person you're becoming right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Wow. How does that feel? Um, it, it feels very humbling. You know, mm -hmm. I think as I'm working through a lot of my own personal unlearning at this point, it's, I'm, you know, I always say, I, I try, I'm just trying not to break them, you know, like they're going to be amazing people. I just kind of have to make sure I don't limit them and I don't, um, like ruin the core of who they are mm -hmm. going back to like the soul. Right. Um, so that when they become adults and want to be, um, whoever they want to be, they will do so from a place of like really knowing themselves and like trusting mm -hmm. themselves. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Your kids are already amazing and there's not, there's nothing you could do to ruin them because they're already so perfect and they're all manifestors <laughs> and they're all manifestors. <laughs> um, can you share a little bit about, and I'm really curious because you've talked a little bit about it before, but like, you know, you're coming from a Chinese immigrant family and how that has kind of impacted your path and perhaps some of the unlearning that you, you needed to do because of that. Ooh, okay. So where do I begin? Um, I think for all of us, um, there's a point when we're like, hmm, uh, this family, like the stuff that we value, maybe even the things that we eat, right? I remember a distinct time when I like just realized like the food that we're eating, even though it was very healthy, right? By like, definitely by American standards, like it wasn't a lot of processed food. It was a lot of like, just like fresh veggies and meat and stuff. I was like, this actually doesn't feel good in my body. And I remember specifically thinking like, so many aunties and grandparents are going to get insulted by me not eating this food, even though I loved it, but I could just feel like it just didn't feel right in my gut. Right. And like, there are moments like that. Um, when it came to, I want to go and do this thing, but I feel guilty because I should be thinking about what my parents think. Right. Or if this would offend somebody. And then, uh, the moments when I started, uh, I found my own therapist. Like, I think when I was like, 15 or something like that. And I just went and I was like, I need a therapist. And they're like, why? And I was like, no, I just, there's just stuff I need to talk about. And I remember he was like a Greek guy in, um, I think he was in Boston Medical Center. 
he was just probably like the trauma therapist or whatever. And he's like, okay, well, I'm here if you want to talk about stuff. And then that was like the first time when I was like, oh, I'm kind of like breaking from some sort of thinking conditioning. And that's actually when I started realizing that my parents, as would be diagnosed in kind of like Western, you know, like uh, the DSM or whatever, like they had some mental issues that they had to deal with, right? So uh, PTSD, chronic anxiety, um, me, me and this other therapist who happened to be this like Franciscan monk in downtown crossing, he was like, I think your dad, or he told me to read this book called, um, uh, stop walking on eggshells because I was just talking about my dad and how he would just like lose his temper like instantly. And so we kind of diagnosed him without my dad, you know, being part of the conversation, um, having borderline personality. And the moment that like, I just kind of came to these diagnoses, I was like, oh, I feel so vindicated. I feel so seen and I feel relieved because now I can see almost like my parents do love me, but sometimes they just speak from their mental illness. And that like, I mean, I just get chills. Like for me, that was like, oh, it's not my fault, right? It's not really their fault. They just had a lot of stuff and they have this, you know, I don't love calling it mental illness, it's just a part of who they are, but that gave me so much freedom. And I also learned that it's not something that you talk about to people in your family because they don't appreciate that. So, you know, if you do your thing, keep it to yourself until people want to bring it up. And then you're like, well, actually, you know, because I actually think kind of like along the same vein, um, you know, I started learning about all of these other kind of like diagnoses, if you will. And I really started learning that, um, being on the spectrum, like Asperger's, being on autism spectrum, that's actually really common with a lot of my friend groups that I'm in. Um, it's definitely more common than we think. And I always thought of it as a superpower, right? Like you're just like, it might not be the most um, um, convenient thing, but you just, you're honed in a different way. Your mind works in a different way, right? If you have ADHD, your mind works in a different way that really can work for you. And so I love this. And I think it's like a really great part of who we are. And it's like really worth it to get diagnosed and, you know, understand this and really find empowerment in it. But I'm also realizing that a lot of people still, especially in our community, right? In our culture, there's a lot of stigma around it and people don't want to hear it. But if it's something that you feel drawn to, do it for yourself. It's really, really helpful. Or whatever path you're going down, do it for yourself. Don't push it on other people, but it will help you understand and see. Because um, we're coming two different cultures, right? Like you and I, we have that like cultural lineage that literally speaks a different language, like eats different foods. And then we're in this other mainstream culture that we're in. And like, we need to find a way to kind of bridge the two. And sometimes it's just through the things that we naturally want to study. And then we begin to make sense of it. You might not study psychology or anything like that. Maybe you study money or maybe you study biology or nutrition. You will find a vehicle to make sense of uh, the place where you come from. And the most important thing is you do it for you. Anyone else? I don't know if that answers your question. I feel like everything that I do, there's a little bit of a tangent, um, but yeah, that's where I came from. I think that's really powerful because it, it also just shows, I mean, your example of like eating the food that you're given, which, you know, we do because we're, we're children and we eat what's in front of us most of the time. Um, but you have that and like, and you're in a structure or like, and then, you know, you can bring it out to further into like a system, right? You're, you're in a system, a family system that is expecting you to do certain things. And it's sometimes really hard to see until you mm -hmm. come out of it. Right. And like, you're able to kind of look at it from bird's eye view or just mm -hmm. from a thousand feet away instead of being right in it. Uh, and that's a really powerful thing to happen I think to somebody is the ability to see beyond that I mean how that happens may may be traumatizing but but to be able to not be part of it yes it's it's similar to what you said about like why is our genius why would we feel shame about our genius and whatever so a lot of very um introspective like very deep wise people feel like outsiders and there's a reason for that is because you have to be able to be somewhat apart from mainstream culture in order to really observe it. 
And so for many of us, we probably felt like an outsider at some point or multiple levels of outsidership, right? Depending on your identity and where you grew up and all this stuff. And that's actually really, really good because it gives you a sense of discernment. It gives you the ability to have space between what everyone just takes as gospel and maybe what your truth is. And so there is really power in owning that outsider identity and using it, honing it. Um, because I think for all of us, especially people who are kind of like coming from different cultures or maybe, you know, like, like what is my truth? What is whatever? I, I gave myself like the hardest time for not really like learning all of the traditional dishes from my grandparents, like before they died. And the part of me is like, well, I kind of cook the food that I like. Right. And it's great to have some traditional stuff, but I just got to cook the food that I like. Right. And so like, it's really okay. Our journey is to find our own truth. Maybe it's a fusion of everything. And I don't think it dilutes anything. It's just like creates something new. Right. And when mm. we think about the future, it's all about fluidity. It's all about collaboration. These like dense identities, like they're going to go away because we'll be like living in the metaverse, right? Who knows? So you got to be flexible. <laughs> I know me too. The corporation or just like the actual metaverse? <laughs> I know. Both. When you, you know, you talked about like how, you know, like, um, wise people and, and, and geniuses and whatnot, they have to be kind of apart from the mainstream culture to be able to observe it. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where there's so many people oh, like who pull away from the mainstream culture that the mainstream culture will no longer exist? And what will exist oh, after that? That is a great, what will exist after the mainstream? I <laughs> Not think the metaverse. <laughs> I know. I think there'll be a point where all this like kind of like counterculture um, will become mainstream. So, you know, do you remember like when Apple came out and when you, if you had a Mac, you were like this creative, like cool person. Yeah. And now Apple is everywhere, right? They've yeah. like taken over. I think that tends to be the pattern, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's kind of almost the pattern of, of just society, right? It pendulates between the two extremes and like, oh, what was I just thinking of in terms of that? But like, um, even if you think about like family patterns, like like you don't want to be like your mom. So then you parent a different way. And then your and then your child is like, I want to be like my mom. And they parent a different way. I know. How annoying is that? <laughs> I think about that too. I'm only a dog mom. And I think about that too. Like, oh my gosh, I'm smothering this dog. <laughs> but you know, going back to your statement about ego, that very much is almost like an ego thing, right? Oh, my mom did it wrong. So I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. And then, um, and then, so if we can break the pattern of the ego making the decisions, then we can that's huge the breaking the pattern of the ego making the decision because then what's the middle ground right it's like anti the way my mom did it right or just the way that my mom did it like the middle path might be something around like the way that you naturally maternally would take the situation and then also like your child you're taking your child into consideration and so there's like some sort of like fusion again you know so like I think the you know, if we can say the measure of success, you know, quote, unquote, and for me, success is like alignment, fulfillment with what like you really want and what's best for you. So like, I think a true measure of success is our ability to begin not making decisions from ego, but actually from a different place, a place of fulfillment, a place of basically not lack, not competition, not fear. If people are honest with themselves, and this is still me every day, I still make decisions from this place. So like, it's just being aware, right? Not being perfect. If people are honest with themselves, we make so many decisions out of lack consciousness and fear and scarcity every day that it's just something that we perpetuate, right? And if we take that level of presence in our lives, like, you know what? Either I hold off on making this, this decision, buying the thing, like I hold off, right? until I feel better or until I can come from a place of just neutrality or not lack, or I can challenge myself to be like, well, what if I felt really whole right now? What if I felt really relevant and not like I was missing out on anything? Would I still go to this event? Would I still be friends with this person? Would I still buy this thing? If we ask ourselves that, we would condition ourselves to behave more from taking action, you know, from a place of abundance, from a place of like compassion, that I think is the biggest measure of like our success, like for ourselves in our own lives, because we're going to get challenged because our ego is going to get like lit up, like left and right <laughs> in this crazy, crazy 
a beautiful future that we're moving into. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful place to wrap up the conversation because I could talk about this and dive deep into all of the layers of of your brain <laughs> for a really long time. Um, I just really appreciate your being here. I think that um, you're such a, just an amazing role model for me. And I hope that the listeners are able to gain a, just a little bit of that from this conversation. Um, I just want to kind of give you one last opportunity to share like any parting words you may have, any, any genius points that you'd like to share with the listener. Okay. 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 This is a good question. Mm, um, I'm, I'm getting that a lot of people um, who are listening, we have this tendency of like, if I work hard enough, um, then I can have like this little, you know, reprieve, or I can have a little re retreat to myself, or then I can basically feel the good feelings. And that's a tendency that's programmed within us, especially as women, right? If I take care of my kids, they're clean, then I'm like, you know, I can just feel the good feelings of like, I can be a good mom for that moment, right? I really encourage you to bring in the good feelings first. In the very beginning of the day, especially when you're at the lowest, I am a great freaking mom or I am uh, super relevant in what I do. I think a lot of people now are kind of struggling with feeling relevant, especially as we age, right? Especially as, I mean, I don't even know how to use Instagram still. Like what the heck? So I feel like there's a struggle with it. So like come from this place of, oh, I'm already relevant. You know, if you're relevant to one person, you're relevant. Okay. So find that one person that you're really relevant to honor them, love them, and then just create your content from that space right? Or create your ask from that space. So bring in the good feelings first. Don't hold off because that's actually a path to deep, deep, deep suffering. And the power of bringing, having your good feelings first is you manifest things a lot easier and a lot quicker. And isn't that what we all want? Mm -hmm. So good. Um, can, speaking of Instagram, <laughs> which I also don't know how to use. I think I need to take a class on it. Um, can you Ask share kids? With, oh, well, they're a little too young for that. Although they can do some random stuff on the, on the phone that I didn't even know exist. <laughs> um, can you share with the listener where they can find out more about you, um, especially opportunities to learn from you or to be coached by you? Ooh, yes. Um, so I do share an Instagram. So it's Ms. Anna Sui, M-S dot A-N-N-A-T-S-U-I. Um, and actually, if you want to get um, the book, I have half the book uh, for free uh, on my website. So it's just annasui.com forward slash book, A-N-N-A-T-S-U-I.com forward slash book. Um, and I did that without my publishers knowing. Uh, but I figured like, just like give half of it away. You can get a good chunk of information. There's some worksheets in there, right? I'm working on making some free downloads available for people. Um, and so they can you know, find me there. Wonderful. Thank you. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in today. Living an inspired life is a worthy endeavor. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Be sure to subscribe in your preferred podcast player for future real conversations. And if any part of this episode made you think of a friend, let them know that they aren't alone in their journey and share all the things with them. If you'd like to stay in touch, hop on over to lisaforreal.com and sign up for my daily blogs. Or find me on Instagram at Reclaiming Motherhood. See you next time.